Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Beards, Brews, and Bourbons. I am your host, Greg Scott. And with me, I've got two great friends. Who do I got with me today? Jay Beaverton. And Tommy G. If you're new to the show, thanks for tuning in. If you are a returning listener, well, of course, thank you for listening again. Just kind of the highlights of what the show is. It is a podcast, which I hope you know, about beards, <laughs> brews, and bourbons. <laughs> How did you find this if you didn't know what a podcast was? I'm curious. It could have been on the Alexas or it could have been. Let on us know. <laughs> right. Yeah. So the, the, the podcast focuses on beard products, beard reviews. We do craft beer reviews. Uh, and then we do also some bourbon reviews. So we taste them, we smell them, we tell you what we think, we tell you a little about the history about them. And if you stay to the end, we have the silent B, which is part of the show doesn't really fit with the others, but it's lots of fun. And we hope you stay to the end. So with that awesome riveting introduction we're going to kick the show off happy 2022 and happy 2022 it's our first show of the 22 it's like 2020 yeah like is it a repeat of 2020 i don't know maybe hopefully not Mm. we'll see that covid thing's still kicking around so you know still there yeah well whether variants gonna i don't think it's in florida yeah i think it's gone Uh, that's that's what i've heard from your uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, that's what I've heard. So Jim found us an article from CNET, which is, you know, they're, they're kind of reputable. And it's a review of best beard trimmers. So they kind of lay out, I think, 10 or 15 different beard trimmers. And yeah. I'll, I'll let Jim start us off and we'll start talking about it. Yeah. Uh, before I do get into that, though, I, again, I surfed the, the internets for various articles. And I was going to submit another one. And then I started reading it. It's oh, it uh, came out what uh, December twenty twenty one. That's fairly current still, right? So I started reading it. It's uh, wait, this is familiar. We'd already gone over the article in a previous show, and they it was actually written in twenty eighteen. So they re released it in twenty twenty one. They oh, the, how to take care of your beard in twenty twenty two, and I'm like, um, <laughs> no, you just re released the same article. Uh, they really didn't you- do anything to change it. Maybe they updated like, you know, two letters and, uh, you know, the feed there. Well, it was, the, it was the, yeah, exactly. It was the, well, it was the, is there poop in your beard? I'm like, we've done this before. <laughs> I know we've talked about that before. We've done this. So Wash your yeah, hands, you filthy this. animals. Exactly. Exactly. Especially now, especially in this world we live in. But anyway, I was moving on. Uh, it does sometimes read like a, because again, it shows you where to get them, like an Amazon list, but it's still fairly, cause, um, Electronic beard trimmers are a thing. We need them. I use them. I use one. It's like an old school. It's still like the old school, you know, like the Norelco looking ones. It has the <laughs> yeah. the flip top uh, beard trimmer on the on like on the back side of it there. So, but these are fairly these are fairly like advanced. A lot of these, like the first one, kind of looks like the more traditional. It actually looks like a hair like a hair trimmer. Well, it's from but Wall, it's, and that's like that's yeah. a traditional hair product. I mean, they they make great products. They we have a, I have a, a wall product at my house for me. I got a wall product for my dog because, you know, shave his butt. You know, you got to get it up there, you know. Do not use your beard trimmer to shave your dog's butt, folks. Just, just don't, don't do that. I would advise. In 2022, that. do you have fecal matter on your face? <laughs> yeah, I use a wall, I use a wall trimmer uh, for my head and for my face. Uh, yeah, I've been using it since 2010. It's basically yeah, all I use. For a while, too. I yeah. think. I think now I'm thinking about it. I think we also have one as well too. So it 
it's just just easier to hey uh wife cut my hair for me use this thing use this trimmer here it's easier and easier in this new world we find ourselves in but yeah it's doesn't give it doesn't give prices but again you can oh no it does actually uh it says 36 actually 36 dollars at amazon for a wall beard trimmer isn't bad it's not a bad price at all for that and then we move into the remington which actually has apparently has a vacuum on it where it pulls in the you know the little bits that get on the sink the, the stuff that your wife that yells at you for why are all these hairs on my sink i'm like i shave my beard do you want you how to clean i don't i'm sorry i don't <laughs> they'll stay there even if you until like a month literally yeah even if you try like it doesn't get like this wet paper towel doesn't pick up anything no it doesn't it's just so yeah, that was actually the the, most, the the coolest thing about. I saw this article the the, the little vacuum inside the beard trimmer. I was like, man, that's that's a really great idea. Someone was really on the ball there. It is, yeah. yeah I wonder how well it works for like long or for long hair or for uh, lots of hair. Yeah, I guess if you're just doing a little trim, I guess it wouldn't be too bad. Yeah, I assume it's for like more of short the short beards because because again, you know, plus if you did have a, like a longer beard, it would get full quickly and you have to empty it like every after every session but again i think the guys with like longer beards are using more like like scissor like traditional comb and scissors yeah comb yeah. and scissors then 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 i don't think they would trust themselves to to electronic beard trimmers yeah the remington one look good the next one is a brio access beard and hair trimmer again it's also use it for hair too because i mean i you can use your beard trimmer for like the sideburns as well too because you want to try to kind of like meld your sideburns into the your beard just to make it look good so you have that kind of effect that where like your hair just kind of continues from your your head to your face so it's good to have a trimmer that can do that yeah well the most interesting thing i found not the most but a interesting thing is like how all the different beard trimmers have different like height lengths you know so some of them are like half a millimeter some of them go to like 30 millimeters which is like inch and a half something like that i'm mm -hmm. not an engineer so i don't know but uh you know more than me i again because I, I wouldn't even i would don't even notice that numbers numbers are foreign to me <laughs> as you'll yeah. hear later yeah well like when i had my like you know full-on mountain man beard like keeping it trimmed and like because like i didn't want the mustache to be just like eight you know down on my face and stuff so trying to find like an actual mm -hmm. like link that worked was a challenge but having like you know oh i could put on a 25 millimeter or 35 millimeter and just like go with it every time would be would be pretty handy so that's kind of cool. They have little guards, you know, you can click up and down to change the, the length, you know. Mm -hmm. yeah. And a couple more Remingtons. And there's another wall, which is uh, apparently is uh, used in the shower as well. So it's waterproof. Because there's no danger there. <laughs> right. Well, if you're taking a, if you're, <laughs> this old school one with the cord, you plug it in, you take it in the shower, you're probably going to do something uh, to yourself that you don't want want to happen. But yeah, it's uh, uh, I see. There's another Gillette one. The Gillette one looks like a microphone to me. I, the first thing I looked at, it, I'm like, oh, it's a portable microphone. No, it's a, it's a beard trimmer. It's a beard trimmer. But again, it's like eighteen dollars on Amazon, so it's kind of just a fast on the go kind of thing. I guess you could. I guess maybe I don't know if you, how big it is. You could probably fit it into a travel bag. Yeah, I would, I I take my beard trimmer every time I go on trips, but that's just because I have a massive beard. Sometimes it just kind of gets out of hand. I'm like, oh shit, I haven't shaved in you know a month, mm. so I bring it down and. Do it there because I'm too lazy to do it at my house. Right. That's Greg Scott's wow. grooming oh, tips. Yeah. <laughs> Greg Scott's grooming tips. That's why I have a beard nice. right now, is I'm too lazy to shave it off. 
That's right. You just, you know, trim trim the top a little bit, make sure your neck's not too long, you know, and uh good to yeah. go. That's the one thing I that's one thing with my last beard I didn't do right. I had to get kind of the neck growth that I in retrospect now look kind of too scruffy. So I'm not gonna do that again for sure. Yeah. But yeah, what I did there was I, I would just take my trimmer and just just shave like just use like you trim the longer parts with the trimmer and then you just I use the one of those multi-blade deals to shave the rest of it down. Yeah. Yep. And that's pretty much it. Yeah, the CNET uh, best beer trimmers for 2022. Did you guys notice that there's at the very top of the article, there's like like a little podcast button. You can like listen. It's like, oh, cool. I can listen to the entire thing. I, I click on it. I don't know if you guys clicked on it or not, but it's, uh, I didn't. it's a robo voice. It's just like, hello, welcome to our channel. This is the Gillette Wall multi groom tool i'm like this is bad <laughs> like whoever thought this is a good idea uh lindsey boyers actually is the author lindsey yeah you shouldn't have done that don't don't use robo voice so a lot of the like amazon ads that uh do like the top five or whatever it is it's like a you know computer voice just reading a basic uh powerpoint presentation like all yeah, the that, details and stuff does not inspire confidence Maybe they can't afford real people. I don't know. <laughs> Nobody wants to work anymore. Let's hire robots. I don't know. Robot, robots are taking everybody's jobs. Even the podcasters. They're coming for the podcasters now. Oh, no. We're in trouble, guys. I don't know. But I was at Walmart the other day, and I hear Walmart has the Walmart radio, and but they have hosts for it. <laughs> and like, wait, I was wait, wait. sitting. They have radio, radio Walmart and has hosts. It's like a podcast. Oh, wow. Like, hey, coming up next on Walmart radio, and it's like two guys talking to each other, and I'm like, Oh God! <laughs> it was the end times. What what dark <laughs> what dark timeline? It's blasting. Oh, and I'm God. sitting in the in the pickup area, like outside, where they come out to you to, to bring it out, and it's blasting loud enough that I can hear it. And like the podcast I have in my truck is being outweighed by the Walmart speakers that are blasting uh, Walmart radio. And on that dark dystopian note, mm-hmm. <laughs> we're gonna end the beards portion, and we're going to. Uh, creep our way down to the bruise we're gonna creep. Bruise. Yeah. <laughs> all right guys we've creeped our way down to the bruise portion of the show and today we are going to have a florida brewery which we actually i guess we should probably talk about the news first before we even get into the beer there's some uh sure. there's some news that just happened with uh cigar city brewing and i guess their their parent company uh was it uh crypt that's no, not crypto Canarchy? Is that Can- what it is? Canarchy. Yeah, yeah. Canarchy, which is uh, also Oscar Blues is also under their umbrella too. Yeah, Oscar, yeah, Oscar Blues, I thought was a big one, but apparently they have like six or eight different other subs in there. Yeah, so Canarchy bought, uh, sorry, Canarchy didn't buy, Canarchy was bought by, you're never going to guess it, Monster Energy. Yeah, I was, uh, other than like, you both sell canned products. There's no real similarity between you, the both of you. I don't understand that, but uh, you alter the chemical states of people's bodies. I mean, that's what they have in common. Also true. Yeah, I read that though. I was just like, what, what? monster? Apparently, they've been searching for uh, to get into the alcohol market for a while. They're looking at buying like some hard seltzer right before the pandemic hit in like 19, 2019, 2020. Mm. And I guess it kind of makes sense, at least. It kind of fits. The, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. I think the the craft brewer association put out a post or a statement saying that they'd still be considered craft brewery because uh, Monster doesn't own other alcohol products, so they can't really be considered like a you know conglomerate or like a big brewer or anything. So, yeah, 
but it definitely threw me for a loop. That's for sure. Yeah, I, I'm still not sure what to think of it. I guess we'll just see. We'll see what happens. It's not. It's, I guess it's, it's not as bad as Imbev. Yeah. Buying it, but yeah. okay. Hopefully, we'll find out. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it really depends what they. What yeah, they do it does. It. Assuming it won't change much as far as the beers and the individual companies are. I don't, I don't know. What do you think? I would hope. I would hope yeah. Monster is smart enough to leave it alone and just let let it be its own thing, and not try to do. Oh, uh, here's a Cigar City Monster flavored sour mix. Tape. That's what I'm waiting know. for. I want the I want the Monster Brew beer. I don't know, like some random combination of Monster Energy and X Y Brew. You know, you want a pale ale with a kick? Try Monsters Pale mm. Ale. You know? Yeah, I, I'd be mm. facetious. <laughs> I don't want, of that. course. Although so, I would probably try it. To be honest, I'd be like, fuck it, let's do it. Yeah. I drink Monster mm. in the morning occasionally, so I'm a fan. <laughs> no, I never got into Monster. I mean, like being into keep track of the gaming community, because the, the, Monsters attached themselves to them. We're gamer fuel. And it's, I, you know, I just, I was more of a Red Bull guy when I drank energy drinks. I've tried to kind of steer away from them now because my, my uh, heart rate's fast enough as it is. <laughs> <laughs> That's where my mind went to. I was like, ooh, I don't know if I do that. That BPM, that BPM increase, you know. Yeah. Although I drink them every time we go, any kind of like long road trip, I always get a couple, mm-hmm. a couple of energy drinks, stock them in the car because you know. It's true. Don't fall asleep by driving. Yeah. So what are we drinking today? Excellent question. I'm glad you asked. What are we drinking today, Jim? We are drinking Hilo from Cigar City again. You mentioned them as being a Florida brewery. It's they did start in Florida, but I think that we can say that they are more an East Coast brewery now because you can buy them in Virginia, you can buy them a lot of other places because again, Oscar Blues had more of a, a national footprint as a brewer, so they started brewing it themselves. Again, like it's to start in Florida, but I can pretty much get it uh, a lot of places now. Yeah, you can definitely find them all up down the East Coast. I will say that this was brewed at the facilities there in Tampa from Cigar City, so okay. technically from Florida. Yeah, uh, American IPA Beer Advocate ranks it ooh, number three, rank number three style, I guess, because it's for a, IPAs. It's a, that's what it says. Uh, it's a style IPA American rank number three. Well, you should. I mean, that's Beer Advocate. Yeah, so I mean, this is a a lower alcohol content because Cigar City makes Highlight, right? Which is like this yeah. awesome sport out of uh, I think it's Tampa. Well, it's in Tampa and it's all that. I'm just talking about the sport. Sorry, my mind went way down the rabbit hole. Like I think it's like a a Spanish sport, maybe. I think it is. I think you're right. Where they have these weird giant scoop sticks and they throw balls at like 150 miles an hour. And it's like super dangerous and fast. Mm-hmm. But they made a beer called Highlight, which is a American IPA. It comes in like 6.5% ABV. And I yeah. guess they've, um, I don't want to say watered down because that's, that's not an appropriate term to use, but they've made this a day drinker, a little session beer coming in at what, 4%, I think I saw. Mm-hmm. Low IBUs, like 35 IBUs. It's pretty low, really. For for a pale ale, sorry, yeah, pale ale. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, it, uh, but the notes are saying in on Beer Advocate that it doesn't lose any of the flavor. So I'm assuming they still rank it in the same style as High Lie. So that's why it's ranked that high because again, High Lies when it first came out was extremely popular. Oh yeah, IPA. Yeah, super popular. I remember people requesting it and stuff. You know, like can't find it. Where do you get it? You know, yeah. This is way back in the day, but still. I'm excited. You know, a, a nice, tasty IPA that's probably lower calories, I would imagine. And uh, I think it says 120. 
Okay, that's not too bad. Hopefully, it's yeah. got that full flavor taste. But before we get into the taste, what do we see? Golden color. Started off with a larger head, but uh, it's kind of calmed down now to the right size. Yeah, the head goes away pretty quick, but it's got nice color. Yeah. Yep. Citrusy. Citrus. Lots of citrus. Yeah. Maybe apricot on the nose. It's like a hint. Damn. Allergies. Can't <laughs> smell. <laughs> yeah, it's been bad around here. Yeah, it's weird. It's it, Florida's weird down here. It's just because it, it'll be, we, our temperature changes so quickly that it's been, it's not been cold, cold until to like today or like last night. But before that, it was like kind of switching between like humid and, and then windy and then not. So it's just like it's the trees don't know what to do. So they start releasing pollen anywhere. Anyway, are you guys ready to taste? Sure. Salute. Salute. Definitely has the mouthfeel of high because it kind of hits all sides. Yeah, it just doesn't have that bite. Yeah. Yeah, the bite or the syrup it almost taste of mm-hmm. it. Not syrup, but kind of the alcohol taste that makes sense. Yeah. So. Definitely a little. So I had an IPA before this a little uh, about an hour ago, and it definitely has more, more of like a like a watered down feel. But the flavor's still there. It's just kind of the mouthfeel is just yeah, like you're saying that syrupy mm. like. Yeah, taste is good though. I mean, like it's mm-hmm. got you know full flavored taste. If that, yeah, I'd say that. A lot of citrus notes. <laughs> just just hangs on your tongue yeah. for a while, actually. Yeah, it lingers. Yeah, the mouthful definitely lingers for for a few minutes. I think the carbonation's pretty spot on. It's uh, yeah. still pretty carbonated, which is good. I like a carbonated beer. I get annoyed when they're not carbonated. I'm like, uh, if I want still water, I'll go drink still water. You know? Yeah, I agree. Hmm. Yeah, it's good. Definitely yeah. good for a day drinker. Yeah, I would definitely like mow the lawn. You know, with this, have a couple of these guys and. Do some lawn maintenance, which I hate to do, but it's much easier when you have a couple beers. Yeah, I try to, when I try to go low uh, ABV, it's usually like some kind of like lager, like low lager, and this would be way better than that. Yeah, I can't. I don't know many others who have low ABV non-lager, non-lager beers. Right. Um, well, session IPAs are still a thing. They're around. I mean, they're not as big as they were a few years ago. I don't see many uh, of them. But they're still there. I think I, I know I still see some. Bells has one. Yeah. Is there not they're too it's like it's like, a, it's like like this. It's like they're too hardy, but it's not. Yeah, it's like Bell's one harder. It's something like similar, yeah. but it's uh I think you're I think it is like the one hearted, but yeah, it's just like yeah, it's just like a, a lower A B V version of the two hearted. All day IPA. Yeah, founders. all day IPA. Founders, yeah, it's yeah. a good one. Although I've seen less and less founders around. Because I see the breakfast stout, but like usually that's the only one that they'll have. I know. Well, then again, uh, the Sweetwater just has their 420, and that's just a pale ale. Well, um, I can, can't say the name. Um, yeah, that's them. Lagunitas has one too. Daytime. Yeah, daytime. That's what we usually actually go to if I can find it. Yeah, I think that rounds them out. I think there, I think there's probably one, like one or two others. I just can't think of them. Yeah, at least for Americans, I'm sure there's some euros in there somewhere. But uh, or you can always get Guinness for you know your five percent, right? Mm. Sure. Not not necessarily your summer beer, <laughs> but you can do it. Nothing better than coming in and drinking a <laughs> a Guinness after mowing the lawn in hundred degree weather. Yeah, <laughs> I go for a bread sandwich. You mean a Guinness? Absolutely. <laughs> Any uh, closing thoughts on this guy? Pretty good. Uh, I mean, definitely fits, worth like, picking up. Yeah, it fits the brand. It fits the Cigar City. If you like Cigar City uh, Pale Hills, 
and uh definitely fits in there i actually got it from the um the combo pack for like for them uh so it had like the the highlight guy and and this and some one other one florida man i think is the yeah, other one i think there. it is yeah so definitely fits my, in. My it's, speed. it's nice yeah like nine it's like eight point something percent <laughs> what the florida man yeah that's uh, an imperial ipa wow that's a great name also yeah, it'll get you'll you'll be doing crazy crazy stuff like uh, Florida man if you have a couple of those. Well, guys, I think that's going to do it for the brews portions of the show. We're going to get in our lawn mower during winter and uh, drive on down to the bourbon portion of the show. Don't you mean snow machine? Yep, snow machine. We're we're right now getting the uh, the wintry effects up here in Virginia. We've got like a foot of snow outside right now, so yeah, snow machine for sure. Snow. Yeah. Snow plow. I guess that would be another one you could do. I think I saw one meme. It was like, uh, uh, I'm still going to go to the pub. And it's like some dude in, like in a parka, like going, th- like trying to get through the snow. <laughs> yeah. I had a buddy who, uh, who went to a school in um, North Dakota or no, South Dakota, excuse me, South Dakota. The rule of thumb that the president had put down, because South, South Dakota is way up there, you know, it's not anywhere. Oh, yeah. It's north, it's way north. Yeah, way and it gets north, cold. Yeah. And so the base of the rule of thumb is, you know, if the bars are open, school's open for snow and sleet and, and freezing temperatures. So not quite that way here in more civilized lands. But. Alrighty, everyone, we are now in my favorite part of the show, the bourbon portion. And so today I'm kind of excited to talk about these, these bourbons. I'm going to say plural. I'll tell you in a second why. Um, but I got some feedback from one of our listeners and he was in there asking, you know, have you, have you seen these Thomas S. Moores, which is, comes out of Barton Distillery, which is owned by Buffalo Trace slash Sazerac, which we've tasted many other products in the past. Oh. And I was like, Buffalo you know, Trace. they don't own anything. No, they don't nothing, nothing. And I was like, uh, I have some bottles. Uh, they've been on the shelf for a while, but we have not had them yet on the show. So that that uh, inspired me to get these out here so we can taste them. Um, so these are Thomas S. Moore. They are extended barrel-aged whiskeys or extreme barrel-aged whiskeys. They're all double cast. So they all start out, you know, five to seven years uh, at a Barton. So it's, it's their 1792 high rye bourbon, which is aged for about five to seven years. It's kind of their standard Barton's bourbon. And then they, and that's, you know, new oak because bourbon's always new oak, right? But that's important to know. So, you know, new, uh, new charred oak barrels. Mm. And then they go into these like extended or extreme secondary caskings and they have three of them. And these, again, are these aged for two to five years, which is exceptionally long because most second barrelings or uh, second caskings are like six months or something. They're not real long. It's really short. Yeah. Yeah. And so they, they've come with these three different types. So uh, they have the Chardonnay. So they've uh, aged it in a Chardonnay. One's in a port and one's in a, a Cab Franc or Cabernet Franc. Uh, uh, sorry, not Cab Franc. It's a... Sauvignon. Yeah, Cab Sauvignon. Thank you. Cab Sauv. I drink wine. Come on, guys. Cab Sauv. <laughs> <laughs> and so the one we have today is their Chardonnay. So again, it's five to seven years. They're normal rye, high rye bourbon. An additional two to five, which I'd be kind of curious. Is it the two or the five? Because it's kind of a, that's a spread right there for bourbon, at least mm. in Chardonnay. So I think that's enough uh, build up. Do you guys have anything you want to say before we start? 
No, I'm excited actually. I've I've had a lot of red wine cast bourbons, but uh, I've never had like a white wine. So this is uh exciting. Yeah, I I can't say I've ever had I've ever seen really a white. I mean, I've seen sherry aged, which sherry's mm. kind of white wineish. I mean, yeah, hundred percent sure how sherry's made, other than it can be delicious or it can be entirely gross. Sherry, I believe. Oh, I used to know this. That was aged from port grapes. I could be it's, wrong. I, I mean, I know it's Spanish, related to cognac. But... It's related. It's related to cognac and in, in port, I think. So it's like mm-hmm. a like a fortified uh, wine, maybe. I don't know. Well, in, in internet world, if you want to let us know what sherry is, because we're not necessarily big wine drinkers or whatnot, so let us let us know. Mm. But this is a Chardonnay. <laughs> so, uh, not to confuse the water too much. I guess we should say actually what the proofing is on this. Looks like ninety-seven point nine proof. Okay, that's up there. That's like almost a hundred. You so. read the bottle. That's amazing. <laughs> ninety-seven point nine. Yeah, it should be pretty high. 48.95 ABV is what I'm seeing on distiller. And then you can you can math that up a little bit, times it by two. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think Tubby's right, 97.9. It's that radio station in Florida. Right. What does yours look like? Looks pretty good. Like a little darkish honey. Yeah, like really kind of like molasses. No, molasses is too deep. I would say you're more like on you're like honey. Really kind of nice coloration. I wonder if that's from the white wine, I would think. The standard, it's got really nice legs statement. Mm-hmm. It's kind of amberish though. At least it's yeah. light. Yeah. My light's horrible in here. Yeah. Americans have the worst lighting. It's so like yellow or blue. It's not good. We took all the tried to take all the original bulbs out and replace them with the the swirly ones. That's what's to save energy. There you are. But now the new rave is LEDs, even even yeah. better. I actually did that this weekend, replaced a whole bunch of bulbs. Nothing like climbing up in a ladder. They're like, okay, I hope it don't fall. <laughs> it's got a really nice yeah. it's kind like of a, a nice nose. Like a, yeah, like a sweetness. Um definitely I'm not I don't drink a lot of white wine, but it kind of reminds me of like a, you know, you get that white wine nose, I guess. Yeah, it's it's like sweet. I mean, white wines. I mean, they're not. They can be dry. I mean, the Chardonnay. Right. Are dry. Yeah, Chardonnays. Well, back when I worked in the industry, Chardonnays were classified into two camps. There was the buttery and non-buttery. Ugh. Buttery was it's. Well, I understand what they mean. It's like this thick, heavy, syrupy type style of Chardonnay, which is just it's again, yeah, it's not my scene, but it's like oh the. the uh, Karen's loved it. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> but, but they had a lot of money, so they could spend money on it. I, I knew a couple of Karens who would like buy cases of it when they were at the store. Butter and Karens. Oh, my. Butter and Karens. It's the name of the show, Butter and Karens. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag. You get first dibs, guys. Well, are you ready, uh, ready to try this guy out? Sure. It's pretty smooth. It's smooth. It's got an interesting flavor profile I can't really identify. The burn is a little bit overpowering on it, though, for me. I kind of get like a maybe an aftertaste of Chardonnay. Yeah, kind of like that, that dry wine. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get that too. This is hard. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. There's a there's there's a lot there. I, I mean, it, I don't know. It doesn't taste like bourbon. Fruit. <laughs> I mean, 
You know, you're going to take the point on this. I'm not getting much of anything, but again, my allergies are kind of messing with me today. But I, it's, it, it, I got smoothness, and then I got the burn is all I got. Yeah, after a few sips, it, uh, the nose opened up a little bit for me. I can't really pinpoint it. It's a little buttery, kind of like, um, I don't want to say caramel, but it's like a, yeah, like a kind of smooth, I don't know. That makes sense with, again, Chardonnay's because the, the, the barrel for Chardonnay is going to, if it is a buttery Chardonnay, it's going to infuse it. And so you'll get it on definitely something that's been aged in uh, a Chardonnay barrel. If that's the first thing the barrel was used for, especially. Well, I mean, usually Chardonnay's done, it's oak. I mean, it's not charred oak. I don't believe it. I think it's just oak. oak. Yeah, it is oak. You're right. If it's an oak Chardonnay, which they're not, they are not all oaked. It's kind of interesting. If, if it is an oak Chardonnay, it's like, you know, oak to oak to more oak. You know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like a turducken. <laughs> of oak. Just oak. Of oak. <laughs> I can't really pick out too many, like, individual notes from it to, on this one. Yeah. Maybe, like, a bit of wood, maybe. Yeah, I do get the oakiness a little bit, but... Like, yeah, I'm not getting leather at all or anything. It's not astringent tasting, but it's got an interesting aftertaste, mm-hmm. which I'm really struggling to identify. Yeah. I would say it's unique. <laughs> if I had to qualify it, I would say it's a unique taste. Yeah, I don't get any of like any of the alcohol burn really on mine. Mm-hmm. Um, for almost yeah. 100 proof, it's, it's very easy to drink. Yeah, it's definitely smooth. At least, uh, at least ours are. Maybe we, well, I think, but I've let mine air it out for. Well, before we started the show, or as we started the show, so whatever the minute mark is now, that's that's how long. Mm. Yeah, I poured mine at like eight, so it's been it's been out for a while. So I guess we should say how much this is. Uh, this is a one of their. This is Barton's first quote unquote premium line of bourbons. I believe this clocks in about seventy to eighty dollars, depending where you're at on your your primary market, your MSRPs. Which you know for premium bourbon, that's that's a price point you're going to see. I don't know if it necessarily qualifies a seventy or eighty dollar price point. I mean, it's smooth. Yeah. So, how are you? How do you like the seventeen ninety two by itself and that like that line? Can you think of anything that you you really enjoy from there? We've had a couple of Barton products on the show before that are hit or miss for me. I don't know if I've had a seventeen ninety two. It's the the wonky looking bottle, right? It's like the oval shaped mm-hmm. bottle. Yeah, yeah I, have right? a, I have a bottle, and I don't actually haven't even opened it yet, but um. I can't think of if I've had it either. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if I've had the small batch of that or not. I accidentally ordered a liter bottle instead of the... Uh... Okay. <laughs> I was like, it looks massive. <laughs> Oops. Oops. Yeah, 1.75, I mean. <laughs> you mean a gallon? <laughs> yeah. My bad. I fit it into the screen. There you are. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a big 1792 drinker, I think. So I don't know if it's similar or not. So I couldn't, I couldn't even qualify that. Yeah, same. That's why I was wondering. It might, if I think if you saw it at the store, it's probably interesting to try because it is one of the, or if the only uh, white wine aged barrels that I've seen. And so it's kind of cool in and of itself. I think if you like Chardonnay, it might appeal to you as well. Cause I, I think that's the undertone I'm getting on it, but it's just like, it's kind of like I said, it's kind of hard to nail down on that. Yeah. I'm struggling at least, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, some of the tasting notes talk about it being savory and kind of a, a meaty, uh, aggressive, aggressively meaty flavor or taste. Hmm. I assume that's where the oak, the oak would contribute to that. I would, I would think. Yeah. I don't know. The nose of elements of roast beef on the nose. 
<laughs> what the fuck does roast beef under those even as a i mean i know what roast beef is but shit <laughs> uh, uh that's funny that's good <laughs> that's i'm sorry that that made me cry that made me laugh pretty good there. so think about that when you're smelling it yeah think of the yep. roast beef we're talking about the food not your significant other <laughs> come on now man <laughs> I don't have Irish Giant here to make all the dirty jokes, so I have to supplement my own in. You don't really, but yeah, okay. I know. I'm not. I'm not the. I'm a straight man. I'm not the uh, the stand up guy. Call, we call <laughs> that the Hope Solo. <laughs> all right, gentlemen. Any closing thoughts on Thomas S. Moore's Chardonnay, a barrel aged bourbon? Definitely different. Uh, I'd be interested to try the other ones because I know we have. Some of the other ones is just to see what if there's any kind of consistency between the casts. So yeah. Uh, yeah, it's to me again. This one just didn't uh, hit for me. Is what good? Again, you guys know more about whiskey than I do. It's just uh, again, it was pretty smooth. I would put it probably put an ice cube in it for sure. If I was going to sip on it, I did get a little bit of the the Chardonnay kind of buttery oaky taste on the end. That's about all I can say about it, really. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's definitely interesting and a little different. Like the, the last sip, I definitely got that like dry, like that the wine finish on it. Definitely interested to try the other two, the port cask and the, the Cabernet Sauvignon. So the seventy dollars price point is a little iffy for me. Um, if I liked it, it probably wouldn't be bad. If it, but it's it's not. It doesn't have enough character for me to pay that price. But as a try, you know, to try it and maybe pass it around and stuff, it's not too bad. Yeah, I think that's a very fair assessment. All right. I think that is the end of the bourbon portion of the show, which means it's the end of the Beards, Brews, and Bourbon show. We do have the silent B at the end, but I guess we should run you our credits, tell you who we are, and uh, where you can find it. If you want to talk to us about your favorite bourbons, or if you've had this beer or that lot, not, you can tell us. That's almost a sentence. <laughs> almost. Yeah. <laughs> when you're doing a podcast, you just say words, and you hope at the end it makes sense. Yeah, exactly. You can you can rewind it to find out and try to figure it out. So it's yeah. <laughs> it's true. Get the the ten second backwards forward button, right? So mm. all right. I think that's gonna do it for again the Beards, Brews, and Bourbon show. Uh, I am your host, Greg Scott. With me, I have two most excellent gentlemen. Jay Beaverton and Tommy G. And again, if you are interested in reaching out and talking to us, which we love hearing from our audience and our fans or our haters, whatever, we have thick skins. Uh, we have many ways you can reach and contact us. We have our website, which is in, in purgatory. Perpetual limbo. Yeah, perpetual limbo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it is bbbpodcast.net. We have email at host at bbbpodcast.net. We also have the Facebook. You can find us on there. We have some kind of avian thing that we are on sometimes. What's our handle there, Jim? Uh, on Twitter, it is at Bourbon Beards. Yeah. And thank you. Shout out to all our new followers. We had a couple people follow the, uh, uh, the podcast Twitter page recently. So thank you. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Thanks, guys, for listening. Uh, we do have a TikTok channel, which we're going to get some new updates here shortly. And that is also at the same handle as our Twitter, which is at Bourbon Beards on TikTok. And we do have a Patreon account if you have a couple uh, shekels or coins or any kind of denomination you want to toss right away. We, we always appreciate that as well. NFTs. I have to find a way to, yeah, I have to find a way to put crypto in there. You want to throw some Bitcoins or some Dogecoins at us? Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, which you know, we might circle around to when our style would be here. I think we'll see. All right, guys, that is the show. And again, if you stay to the end of the credits after the awesome music, then that is the silent beat. That's the part of the show that doesn't fit. And here we go. everyone if you made it this far you've made it through our end credits you've listened to the beards brews and bourbons podcast now we are in the silent b which is all the parts of the show that don't make it due to editing due to too much swearing due to other reasons and it's it's really kind of a fun spot for us to sit and talk and a lot of times we think of an idea that's uh you know something new like we've done like eh, what's the metaverse or uh what's your favorite star wars who's your favorite captain in star trek obviously janeway uh <laughs> we've done sci-fi fantasy any kind of nerd stuff this is your nerd central station i like to think of that at least um in my limited uh cognitive abilities that's what i think it is but yeah so this is <laughs> the silent b and this week we are going to talk about nfts uh, and so NFTs, if you are under a rock and haven't been seeing it on the news, which I most of the time am as well, NFTs are non-fungible tokens, which stand for basically uh, it's a unique type of digital asset that is like you pay money for and is yours. So think of a skin for a game that you can buy. You gave them money. Uh, but then that skin is permanently yours, you know, Fortnite or Steam or Call of Duty can't take it away from you. It's yours. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these are usually like art assets, if you want to use the term loosely, art. Um, so they could be a picture, a JPEG, uh, could be uh, a tweet. I think I saw, uh, God, who was it? Uh, I don't remember whose tweet it was. It was like someone's first tweet sold for a million dollars. So these are... Like Jacks. Say again. I think it was Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban. Okay. Because oh, I know that the Jack Jack Dorsey, the guy, the former CEO of Twitter, he was selling his tweets for like some outrageous number. Yeah, I think that's one of those guys. So yeah, it's and it's it's kind of weird because it's these digital assets that you can copy and paste, right? You can have a picture of whoever you can have and you can copy an audio or a wave or a gif or mm-hmm. anything and so you can have them but you don't own them so i guess that's the thing these are they're kind of hosted on the blockchain which is like this i don't know it's a system that digitally tracks ownership of objects and so you have like a unique id it's yours it goes into your wallet help me up guys i'm struggling here I guess it would, if you equate it to the real world, I guess it would be just like a a, a proof of purchase or a certificate of sale or some other type of, this just goes into the records of you bought this at this point online and here's the code that proves that you did. It's like a deed almost, if you want to think yeah, about it like that. Yeah, that's another word for it, yeah. Yeah, here's a deed to my car, here's a deed to my house. I wish my uh, house was worth you know, Jack Dorsey's first tweet. (laughs) (laughs) I guess we're going to talk a little bit about, a little more about them kind of, there's some kind of cool articles really about NFTs. Uh, MIT actually uh, has a whole 
you know, three or four page uh, web page devoted to them. So you MIT know. did a thing on NFTs. Yes, MIT. We're talking about on the silent B. <laughs> you see? Yeah. Sorry. Well, the, but the, the insanity of NFTs is like it's a relatively new thing. It started around like 2017, right? And people were selling them for you know a dollar or two or maybe a hundred dollars, maybe two hundred dollars. Or you were generating them playing video games. So like there's crypto kitties, right? Which is created these NFTs. You get a little crypto, a little kitty. And then you can, you know, mate with another kitty and get a third kitty. And that was like your, you know, it's like a, you generated this unique ID of a, a card, right? It's like a, think paper crack, think like Magic the Gathering. You know, you, you created your own mm-hmm. little card, now it's permanently yours and you <clears> own it. Uh, but there's only one, right? It's like Highlander, I guess, is the best way to think about it. There can only be one. <laughs> but these things are stupidly expensive. Like rich people, yeah, uh, not us, spend an insane amount of money on it. Like uh, there was a, an NFT artwork sold by uh, Beeple, who I don't know who that is, sold for like $70 million at Christie's auction, which Christie's is like the big auction remember the name of the Remember the name of the, of the NFT? Uh, graphic designer Beeple. <laughs> I don't know. Right, but what, like the name of the actual artwork. It wasn't CryptoPunk, was it? Because that that's another... It's just, it's just like, a, it looks like an, a pixel image of a dude wearing a hat and oh. of a portrait. And this is a portrait of a crypto punk and it's sold for like an, an insane amount of money. Yeah. No, it's not, it's not crypto punk. Yeah. It's not that one. It's yeah. It's literally a dude, but uh, like Jimmy Fallon has his own fucking NFT, like of a monkey, the leisure shoot monkey, leisure shoot monkeys, you know, like they're or, or yacht club monkeys. Mm. That's what they're called, you know? Okay. And some people like, use these images for, uh, you know, like their identification online, you know, look at me, I spent a right. million dollars on this, this, uh, this meme, I own it. Yeah. I mean, okay. I guess it's like, like an avatarish kind of thing where it's, I, I buy the thing that I think represents me and I'm going to use it to, to do like, or to represent me on forms or whatever. But I mean, then again, you can create your own, like their apps, like the app on my phone is like, hey, make me into an 8-bit character. Oh, wait, here I am. But I guess maybe you don't own it because the app that you use to make it can hold, retain the rights to it because you used their system to make it. I would imagine so. so I guess yeah. So this gives people, oh, uh, the, the, the hipness to say that I, this is me, I own it. You can't use it. If you use it, I'll sue you or something like that. The only redeeming function I see, and I'm, I'm not to be too harsh because they're cool stuff, but this, there's a lot of money. And I don't get art in general, so maybe it's like way outside my wheelhouse. But when these artists who sell, like Picasso, right? Picasso was like 40, 50, 60 million dollars. I don't know how much <clears throat> Picasso's are. I, they're mm. almost and so see, valuable, yeah. they're not worth anything, right? They're, they're, they're priceless. <laughs> they're priceless, exactly. But Picasso and his family don't get money if he had family, which I don't think he did, based on the, sale, the further sales of that piece of art. So NFTs, the artist gets a, can get a residual if you want to use the term, every time that piece of art sold. So, mm-hmm. you know, starving artists, we get at least gets a little, little slice of the pie every time it's sold, which is kind of a cool concept. It is. If, yeah. you, if you are an artist that can hold and retain those rights, because there's a fight going on now between Miramax and Quentin Tarantino, because oh he wants to make NFTs from Pulp Fiction, and Miramax is saying, hey, wait a minute, we own... The rights, so we we want to make NFTs of that. And he's like, "Well, no, I wrote it. 
this the script it's mine i can do that and they're saying no you signed a contract so they're going back and forth now about that so you risk the if you are under the umbrella of a corporation as an artist then they can come back and say oh you're uh it's our we under contract your art belongs to us that was a tricky part because i was i always wondered about that because I, I i'm not too familiar with them but um like w one of the groups that we like or that we listen to one of the podcasts we listen to they they were gifted art based on their show but they wanted to, they talked about making an nft of like the specific art but who who owns that you know nft is it the original artist is it the artist that created it based on the show? Is it the show that they was giving it to them? You know, like the, that being able to just generate it based off of you know any image is uh, gets. I think it gets kind of tricky. So I was wondering how that would be handled. It's the law. It's it's a fact that the law hasn't caught up with the technology yet, mm -hmm. and we're just gonna have to wait and see what the courts say. I basically is what I what I would what I'm gathering from all this. Yeah, that's yes. interesting because I mean, like, yeah, I don't know. Like, you, there's there's a certain amount of like public use and like if you have an image. Sorry, this is like kind of a dating myself a little bit, but um, we're not a political show. I don't even want to talk about it, so let's don't go there. But just between <laughs> us, like the the Obama picture, like that Hope picture, was a photographer had taken that picture, and then someone on the internet had like changed it around and added colors to it and put the words Hope on it. And yes. so while it was originally an image that a photographer had taken, which is his intellectual property, but the artist had modified it in such a way that he was claiming that it's now his because he's significantly changed it from what it was, mm -hmm. you know, and there's no trademark in public figures, right? So yes, um, I don't know if that's how NFTs work. I have no idea. It's way outside my wheelhouse and legalese. <laughs> it's not anything. Yeah. And going back to that, the picture, the, the photographer who took the picture, the picture is his. The artwork from the picture, I would say no, because again, the artist put time and work into making that that art, and it's then theirs. You can say you can you can own you say I own the picture to your heart's content. But if someone did art based on your picture, then I think the art is belongs to the artist. Yeah, because I mean, plenty of people influence other artists. So I mean, it's if, if you if you put in the work and the time to make the art, then I believe it. The artist should retain the rights to the work that they did. But again, the photographer still owns the pic the picture. So, but it gets dicey then because you're like, think of Disney and all their IPs. You know, I can't make a shirt of Mickey Mouse because Disney. But owns you can do Mickey parody. Mouse, but I can do a parody. Of but it. you can do Absolutely. a parody of it, which yeah. is well, different. So mm, go ahead, Tommy. I mean, there's that story that the, like a, a guy like set up a camera and like in the forest and the monkey came and took like actually pressed the pressed the camera button and took a picture of the monkey or whatever. And people like stole that and like said, you know, you're not the artist or you're not the photographer type of thing. Like you don't own the picture because the monkey <laughs> took the picture type of thing. And like it, there was that whole argument of, you know, I don't know, the, the image was out there who owns it. And yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's deep. <laughs> Who doesn't? Monkey. It? Yeah, it is. If tree falls. If a monkey takes a picture in the forest, does it belong to? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, that's weird. I'll have to look that up. I don't. I don't know how that would work because there is no. Because again, that the law just says that whoever took the picture, it's it's their picture because they own it because they took it. So hmm, interesting. 
Yeah. Have to get the monkey to sign over his rights or her <laughs> rights. So, to Irrevocable rights. Yeah. Yeah. So NFTs are cool. Uh, if you're interested, uh, we'll post a couple articles on uh, our various medias that we do. Um, there's one that's kind of a, a kind of a cool deep dive. It's it's out of nature. We won't talk much about it, but just basically, nature is like if you are a scholar or any kind of like researcher, and you're ever published in nature, it's like wow, you're clap your hands, you're done. Like that's that's amazing work. Um, so there was a, a NFT article in Nature, which is beyond for me. It's beyond the pale, but it's it's really interesting. And they kind of get, do a deep dive and talk about what they are, how much they go for, you know, what they're worth in secondary markets, blah blah blah. So we'll post on there. It's kind of cool. But um, oh, and GameStop, I should mention them as well. GameStop is starting their own NFT market, uh, which is interesting for a company that was almost extinct in 2019. <laughs> been on a roller coaster of the stock markets for stonks. Give me them uh, stonks. <laughs> them stonks for two years. Them diamond hands, guys. Diamond hands, everyone. But uh, <laughs> Games GameStop is uh, creating their own NFT marketplace, which is cool as well. Um, so which, which leads us to the actual question. Now that we know what NFTs are, have an idea, at least a little bit about them, I asked the guys to think about, you know, if, if you can own a digital asset, you know, a one-of-a-kind digital asset, it could be music, it could be a picture, it could be, I mean, I guess you could say, I want to own Star Wars, which you know, you, I don't think you can do that. But, you know, an image in Star Wars, you, you know, so what, what, what NFT this you know non-fungible token that only you own what what would you want the first things that came out to came to mind were like back in the day owning like a baseball card like one of my prized possessions was collecting baseball cards and then one of my favorite cards was a an old king Griffey jr rookie card that was very rare uh you know and something like that tying it back to my childhood and something that, that met that seemed to kind of fit the bill of something I would, that would be interesting that or some kind of image, you know, some kind of video game or something like a, like a Zelda, something to do with Zelda or like a Dragon mm -hmm. Ball Z, some kind of artwork that, you know, that I was a big fan of. But those are the things I kept thinking of. Yeah. Definitely video games was like on my list as well too. Uh, yeah, either Zelda or maybe Final Fantasy, because I've talked at length about Final Fantasy sprites on previous shows. And I actually have physical artwork I bought somewhere of like uh, the pixels using Final Fantasy VI, of all the characters from there. So it'd be something like that for me as well, too. The problem is, is getting into another article that recently happened. I didn't post this, but it's in the gaming community. It's Castlevania's 35th anniversary, I think this year, and Konami... The lovely company Konami is selling NFTs from that game. They're selling like uh, like artwork and some of the game like stills and like some of the music. They're putting it in an auction, and again, those Konami owns them. But again, there are other artists that worked on that game. There are artists that made up the music for that game, and you're selling their work for your own profit. Are you, do you give, I'm, I doubt they're going to get any money from that. I doubt. So it's, an, it's another corporation that's taking money away from artists that, oh, you work for us, you're under contract, so we own it. So it's, it sucks on that end. But there was a thing I read, like if you go scroll further down, it's in the spine print that even though you own the NFT, Konami retains the rights to the image 
how does that work? Basically, what it means is, I think what it means is you own the image, but they can still use it in games and for their own advertising, which completely defeats the reason for owning it. Yeah. It's just, and and gamers are like, what the hell is it? It's a money grab. It's a blatant money grab by Konami to take advantage of a a wildly popular game, gaming franchise now. And just and just people were mad about it because like this is what you're doing for the 35th anniversary of Castlevania, not a new game, not any additional, uh, and no ports over. It's what you're doing, just NFTs that the, the person that buys it won't even retain the rights to if they want to use that stuff in other games. So it's just complete and total shyster money grab. It was insane reading that. But yeah, a video game. Something from a video game. Is what <laughs> something, something video but game. Would I, but, something. but would I be able to... Yeah, but what, what would be the purpose of owning it if I can't... You know, I guess it'd just be... Well, I guess it's just the, the cred, the cred, the street internet cred, street of, cred I own this. Yeah. And that's all you get. Yeah. I guess if you have enough money, you could sue people. Or you could put like... Send those letters. <laughs> you know, take down notices. Cease and desists. Yeah, yeah. This is my piece of work. Uh, yeah. People that would do it. Definitely. Hey, come on, man. Get- uh, I and here's my here's my um uh, this is my blockchain that says and I own it. You must take it down. <laughs> well, that's the thing that always cracks me <laughs> up. It's like you know you can cricket you, you can do a screen grab of it, you know, and then it, it it's not. I do anything that's digital that's is that. infinitely copyable, you know. So yeah. it's yeah. I guess not enforceable. I guess I guess that's a different conversation. <laughs> But I don't claim ownership to anything I, I use. I just say, hey, I'm just, uh, I do not own this image. I, uh, this content is not mine. I'm just using it on my social media. Don't sue me. I don't have any money anyway. Please don't sue. Hashtag. <laughs> no litigation, please. How about you, Greg? That's a hard question because like, there's a lot of media out there. I'm going to do a twofer because I like to do twofers. If, and, and this, I think to me, this is like the quintessential NFT. Uh, do you guys remember Farmer Bro, the guy who like up insulin prices or whatever uh, health he medication? Just, um, he has like to give back all of his money. Good, because he's a uh, he's not a very nice person. But he bought Wu Tang Clan's only gold album. Like so they made like a one gold CD press of their secret album, and he's the only person who get the uh, who gets to own that. You know, listen to it, whatever how he wants to. To me, that's like. I don't respect the guy, but like that's a cool thing to own, and that that would be what I would buy, <laughs> which is I think it's freaking cool. I like Wu Tang. I'm not like a Wu Tang head or like the biggest fan in the world, but I think it's fucking cool. So that's probably what I would buy or have or own as a digital asset. And that's if I can own that, anything Star Wars, whatever, I don't care. Just you know, a random Tauntaun turd, I'd be happy with. You know. <laughs> yeah, he recently had a court ruling against him saying he has to give the majority of that money back because of the. When he hiked up the prices on that one drug. Yeah, it's like anti, an anti-parasitic that's used. That was like a 70 cents or a dollar a dose. It turned into like $400 a dose, which, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> the album's cool. <laughs> Wu-Tang, fuck yeah. All right, guys. I think that's going to do it for the show. We are Beards, Brews, and Bourbons. Again, I'm your host, Craig Scott. With me, two excellent buddies. Old Jay Beaverton. Tommy G. And that's the show. Thank you all.